Recorded live by the least illustrious G&B comedy alums who call North America home. It's Transformation Thursday. My name is Bill Satry, and because I don't know how to say no, I am now the big voice of the podcast. Your host for this journey through Tangentville are Natalie Walker from Mission, British Columbia, and Amy Stevens, the displaced Minnesotan who now calls Rochester, New York home. Thank you to the big voice of Transformation Thursday, Bill Sater, for our new sound. My name Say is Billy Walker from what? Satry. Satry. What is it right? She has a point. Oh, she does. I do. Yeah. <laughs> this is why we usually do it when the guest isn't here, is because I fucked this up like four times before I get it. If he gets it, she's done this before. Thank you to the big voice of Transformation Thursday, Bill Satry, for our new sound. My name is Natalie Walker, coming at you from Mission, British Columbia, and my pronouns are she, her. For the Americans in our audience, British Columbia, Canada is right above Washington State. And my name is Amy Stevens from Rochester, New York, nowhere near Times Square, so don't think about making a week trip, weekend trip down there unless your name is Natalie Walker. And my pronouns are she, her. Talking about Washington State, our guest today moved to Seattle, Washington during the pandemic. Is that to escape living with you? I plead the fifth. What does that mean? Never mind. Tonight's episode is not about American constitutional references. We can save that for the return of our general counsel in 2022. Then is tonight's episode about transgender HRT changes and sex again? Because episode 36 was educational and funny AF. Yeah, I'm not sure. I haven't thought that far ahead yet. And I thought you were the planner in this duo. Well, in tonight's episode, we are catching up with B. Susie to see what has changed in Faye's life since the pandemic has hit. And I imagine we will be talking more about sex and HRT too. But before we see what's new with V. Susie, the big voice of Transformation Thursday, Bill Satry, is back to remind you that what you're listening to is copyrighted material. Then we pause, we pause for Bill. This is Bill Satry, the big voice of Transformation Thursday, here to remind you that what you're listening to is copyrighted material, all rights reserved 2021. You can find Transformation Thursday online by searching for at TransThursPod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. On Apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star rating and a glowing review. It's free, and it does help get Transformation Thursday to a larger audience. Welcome right. back to Transformation Thursday. My name is Natalie Walker, and my pronouns are again she, her. And I am Amy Stevens, and my pronouns are she, her. Tonight, we welcome back to the podcast, V. Susie. This is V's fourth appearance, and the episode V and I did together in March of 2020 as the pandemic was falling upon us, is the second most listened to Transformation Thursday episode um, in our catalog. Imagine that, an episode about transgender sex and HRT is our second most listened to episode. Who would have fucking thought that? V, welcome back to Transformation Thursday. Do you mind starting out by telling us your pronouns and where are you joining us from tonight? Oh yeah, my name is V. My pronouns are she, her, and Faye Fair. And I'm in Seattle. Actually, I'm in West Seattle to be a little more specific, but Seattle, Washington. Well, you're Is one it of the best. West Seattle's fancier. Um, no, it's more of a suburb, and I'm living with somebody in their house now. So it's I spent you a year are... in the city, but 
Okay, because you were in Capitol Hill before, right? I was in Capitol Hill. Yeah, it was amazing there. I loved it. And I only moved out here because that's where my partner was. Okay. But I, th- I love one of the things you said about living in Seattle. Is like you'd walk down the street and you're like, there's a trans person. There's mm-hmm. a trans person. All the time. And, and you're from the Rochester area mm-hmm. where I live. And that's where we met. I do see trans people out, but I don't see them, I think, in the numbers you're alluding to in the Seattle area. No. Um, I One of the examples I've given recently is I got my hair cut a while back, uh, not with my current hair color, but before I'd colored it. And I walked out of the hairdresser and there's a trans woman standing there and she just like nodded and nodded her head at me. And I was like, hey. <laughs> and that just happens all the time when I'm walking down the street there, especially in Capitol Hill. Less well, so in know- West Seattle, but. Yeah, I mean, you know where I live in Rondacoit, and there's actually, I believe, because she's giving me that nod that there's a trans woman that works there behind the counter, and so, but I, but I'm afraid just to say, oh, you're trans too, you know, I'm just, you know, yeah, because you don't want to be, you don't want to be that ass that makes the assumption that like no, and you're like, oh well, now I'm an idiot, like that person who calls fat women pregnant. You also don't want to call somebody out when they are not looking to be to be clocked. Exactly. You don't call someone out and then like if they haven't told any of their coworkers and then suddenly you've outed them by accident. Yeah. But am I mistaken? There is that look of recognition. There is definitely a look of recognition when you when you see someone and you, and as a trans person, I think while we're not supposed to clock people, it kind of just comes naturally because you know all the things you're you know what you're trying to hide. Like forehead is one of my biggest examples, and so you pick up on those little things in other people and you're like, oh yeah, I recognize. I have a huge forehead. It's really more of a five head. (laughs) (laughs) It's why I don't pull my hair back. And when I do, I always like give myself like this little kind of bump because it makes my forehead. It's taken work for me to be able, but I've got the widow's widow's peak going on. Yeah, But I've always had that. So it's not like it's unusual for me. Yeah. But that's why for years I went with bangs because it was just an easier way to hide it. Yeah, it's just cis women have widow's peaks too. So I mean, it's not, it's not uncommon. It's like I've got a small one. You can see it with the shave there, but it's not as pronounced. Yeah. So we weren't here to talk about hairlines, were we? I was actually going to ask this about when we were talking about HRT. Is I knew a trans man who was thinking about lowering his levels of testosterone because I guess the testosterone was starting to give him male pattern baldness, (laughs) and he was very vain. (laughs) I was like, oh. There was a thing I didn't know. I think V's. I think they have locked up. I think V's stuck because she's making that same face and it's hard to hold a face for that long. Oh, V's down. So just a quick update for our listeners. There's a storm rolling through Seattle, Washington that knocked out V's power. And we are are MacGyvering a battery connection to V's phone that's less than 20% through V's computer. Right, which is also not on yes. power because her which, power is out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So, so V is sacrificing battery for transformation Thursday. We'll see how long this MacGyver situation Any, can last? Anybody who sacrifices battery for me turns me on. That sounded funny. I'm not in even my touching head. that one. Yeah, I'm not even touching that. Yeah, one. I was just. I'm like, hmm. yeah, that one didn't work. Not all jokes work. And, that is something that all comedians <laughs> need to learn. Yeah. All right. We're, 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 the where dog were we? has joined me, so if there's barking, I apologize. No problem. Where were we? Where were we talking about? Um, I, you know, I kept it in my head for about five minutes, and then it dropped out. 
We were talking about hairlines, and then I think we were going to move on from there. Yeah, I think we. Yeah, we, I think we tackled the hairline thing. But you know, well, let's 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 just jump into like what's changed in your life. You know, you, you we talked about your living situation. It's adjusted from Rochester, Seattle, West Seattle. You mentioned you're living with a partner. Let's kind of go through those changes. Okay. Um. Yeah. So I moved to Seattle. Um, about six months after episode 35, 35, right? 36. 36. About, about six months later, I had moved to Seattle. I kind of had gotten fed up with the uh, HR stuff that I talked about previously um, going on at work. And it kind of just happened. My mom said hey, to me one hey, day, v? she's like, you know. V, yeah. um, you know what? Let's kill your video. Because that's going to eat up okay. bandwidth. All right, Sounds jump good. back into it. Yeah, let's see if, because that right. might help the audio quality. Okay. So my mom said to me, you know, when your uncle moved to San Francisco, he really found his people. And I thought about that for a few minutes and was like, you know, I could move somewhere. I will be done paying my ex-wife. And there's no reason I need to stay here in Rochester when my job could be done elsewhere. And so within just a couple months of my mom saying that, I got applied for and gotten the first job I tried, I applied for and had moved to Seattle. And it was quite the experience. Um, I moved here. I met a part, one partner uh, who I didn't move in with, but we both lived in Capitol Hill for the first year. Um, and I would walk over there frequently. Um, and then I, in about January, so that was September. In January, I met my second partner, who I still have, who I'm living with here in West Seattle now. Um, and everything's been great. And I really think that moving to Seattle is probably the best decision that I've ever made for myself. And considering I've transitioned, that's that's a lot. Yeah, that is a big statement. And you also said, so you had partner one who was on Capitol Hill, partner two in West Seattle. Are you still seeing both partners? Well, obviously partner two because you live with them, but yep. you know. I'm seeing both of them. Okay. I spend a couple days with partner one and partner two I spend just about the rest of the time with because we both work from home now. How do you find making ethical non-monogamy work? Like, are you finding that it's difficult? Is this your first time trying it? Uh, I've tried it a couple times. Uh, I, I don't think I mentioned it in the last uh, episode, but I was polyamorous at that point in time. I think it's great. I think everybody gets what they need out of it. And that's like, you know, one of the biggest goals. And then, you know, consent all around and all that, you know, communication, all that's important to it. And it takes a lot to keep it going. But I, I like it. I like having, I like being able to, you know, for one, my par- partner number two, you know, I, I leave every couple of days and I go see partner number one. And so we kind of get our space separate from each other for a little bit. And then I come back and back to normal household management. Well, Your parents ever met each other? They have met each other. Um, we spent some time. They've only met each other once or twice. Uh, we hung out once in the same room, and it was kind of awkward on everybody's part. And then we've also, uh, partner one has come over here and chatted through the window when I was sick and a few other times that the two of them have seen each other. Well, you also mentioned we've done, also... We've done a handful of... I was just going to say, you also mentioned also... This is so hard because we don't have the video on for you either, V. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. 
Are you sure? I'm sure. <laughs> but you also mentioned hustle duties, and you also mentioned, you know, we have on the list here, you know, parenting and possibility of kids. So, you know, your dynamic there has changed as well because you're kind of a parent now. I am. I have a seven-year-old. Uh, well, my partner has a seven-year-old who lives with us 50% of the time. Um, which is our the standard, which I which was unusual for me coming from New York, but the standard in Washington for custody is fifty fifty instead of your normal like in New York. It's usually, you know, one parent gets them every other weekend, and the other one has full custody. Um, but here in Washington, they try to do a fifty fifty if possible, and so we have her fifty percent of the time, and yeah, it's it's very different, but I love it. She's she's adorable. She's always telling me how much she loves me. And you know what? You know what's great about kids? They don't care about your gender. And she's, when we first told her that I was trans, she was basically like, oh, okay. And she's told me many times over the, over the few months that we've been, that I've been seeing her mom, she's told me, you know, I love having you in my family or I don't care what, what gender you are, you're still, you know, an important person to me. It's, it's, it's just great. Affirmations are amazing. <laughs> yeah, they are. So before, uh, before your partner number two, did you ever want children or did you have an idea about if you were ever going to have children? I have always wanted kids, um, but my ex-wife didn't want them. And that was one of our first big struggles as a couple was uh, going into that. And we, she ultimately said that she would try for a kid when we had a house. And we never got a house, so we never got a chance to try for a kid. And then I transitioned. And at that point, I would kind of come around to not ever having kids. And then I met another person, not not my not partner number two, but another one who was who who I thought was a great person, and they had three kids. And I was like, hey, this could actually be a way for me to have kids in my life and be a parent without you know having to actually donate my own DNA for them. There. So I at that point it was kind of just like, yeah, I'm just. I'm not going to restrict who I date based on whether or not they have kids because, you know, kids are kids and whether they're mine or not, they're so important in my life. See, and I do, like, I do restrict that because I always knew I never wanted children. So I don't, I have nothing against single parents, but I don't date sure. single parents because I don't want, I don't want that responsibility. Some people are cut out for it, which obviously you're having a good time with it. I mean, I went not. to school. I went to school originally for teaching, so I have a degree <laughs> in teaching. So kids are, kids are have always been important to me in general. So, and where so did, yeah, where, kind where, of where, back and forth. Where did you get that degree yeah. from, uh, B? Uh, the same place that's right on your sweater there. Yeah, SUNY. SUNY. For those Brockport. of you who can't see, SUNY Brockport. Yeah, that's where I got my degree. Many years ago, though. Now, wow.
Did you know it takes money and time to host, edit, and market a podcast? And did you know our hosts have limited funds, but still want to get Transformation Thursday out to a larger audience? This is where you come in. Head over to TransformationThursday.com, where you will find the Transformation Thursday Patreon page. There, someday, Natalie and Amy will start to post Patreon-only content, so let's all help our hosts, Natalie and Amy, get Transformation Thursday out to a larger audience. Patreon levels start at just $1 a month. That is it. $1 a month to help the world understand the trans and gender diverse community. Just head online and go to TransformationThursday.com. So are you working in teaching now or what are you doing now? I'm not. I work in IT, uh, in healthcare. Um, okay. Pretty much, I'm doing exactly what I was doing, except at a different company last yeah. time uh, I went into it. And well, hold on, B. I want, I want, I want, I want to. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, I want to add. You hit on something here with the company. Your company experience here in Rochester was not great, and I'm no. not going to talk about that for a variety of reasons. But at a high level, what's the difference between what makes the company you're with now in Seattle so much better? There's a lot of things. I mean, part of it is the fact that there's such a large trans community, but we actually even, one of the biggest things I participated on Friday in a LGBTQ caucus for employees where we got together and we actually, this week we watched a video on two-spirit identities and then we got together into little focus groups and discussed our own experiences. And it's been, it's been great just to meet people that way uh, through work. And it's very clear to me that this company is a lot more interested in diversity and making their workspace diverse. Yeah, I get the feeling from our conversations on your prior company and um, they're a big employer here in this area that Mm -hmm. diversity for them was lip service. It is for a lot of companies. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. They're not unique. Yeah. Yeah, this company is also very large. Um, it's a, it's attached to a university, so it's it's very big. And but the fact that they still care about it means so much more to me. Uh, for one, one of the things that made me accept the job almost immediately was the recruiter had their pronouns in their email, and it was not something I was used to seeing in Rochester. Uh, but here in Seattle, it's odd if you don't have your pronouns in your. Do you think that that's like an East Coast versus West Coast mentality? Because like, I feel that the West Coast tends to be a lot more laid back, whereas the, I guess the, um, the trope for the East Coast is that they all tend to be a little bit more uptight. You're from Minnesota. Don't give me that weird eyebrow look. (laughs) (laughs) No, I do. I do think that it's a big, it's a big difference between the East Coast and the West Coast and seeing people's pronouns in their emails. Okay. Yeah, but I've been on the East Coast for 13 years and I feel very New York. So I mean, that's I a mean, good story. It but is New York's also a big city, right? And a big state. And Yeah. So there's going to be different vibes everywhere. It's kind of like oh. London, right? You had the business area. You had like the really LGBT alternative areas. Soho, the West End. Um, yeah, I get also, Rochester... Rochester's a lot smaller than Seattle. Well, yeah, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Having flown over both cities, the first time I flew home and looked at Rochester from the plane, I was like, wow, that's that's it. 
Holy shit. <laughs> it's small. Because I'm so used to the size of Seattle now. I like Seattle. Seattle's nice. Let's, uh, <laughs> I, I'm going to focus the, the podcast a little bit. <laughs> we haven't actually talked about my new pronouns yet. Yes, no, let's we, do we, that because this we, is the first time I've seen these. So as I mentioned, when I introduced myself, I'm also using the pronouns Fayfair. And it's been kind of an experiment um, to see you know, like who uses them for one. And I really appreciate Amy using them in the notes and other places. And also kind of like, I've always seen trans people as kind of Fay-like. Very, very, attra- I find most trans people very attractive. And it was kind of a way to kind of embrace that for myself. And also it took from one of my nicknames uh, in from when I was in Derby, Chaos Pixie. So it kind of took that Pixie and Faye and brought it together as a pronoun. And sorry, the dog is getting upset now. So Thank did you, you create these pronouns for yourself or did you see them elsewhere and then start using them? From what I've heard, Fayfair is actually one of the more common neo-pronouns, okay. um, which was partly partly also why I grabbed onto it. Um, hold on, I'm thinking here for a second. I had something else I wanted to say. And the dog barking is distracting me. What kind of dog? We can talk about that with you. She, she's a corgi. Oh. Yeah. She's, she's something. Uh-huh. Yeah, so Fayfair, this is the first time I've heard Fayfair. I've seen the, um, I'm going to, I'm probably going to mispronounce this one. The the one with the X, the she. Zizer. Zizer, yeah, there we go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Zizer is also, was one of the first neo pronouns, really. Yeah. Uh, where people took it and said, I'm not he, I'm not she. I'm, we'll go with Z because it kind of sounded like both. Yeah. Um, Faith Fair. I don't know. Oh my God. I'm like totally trying to think of where I was going with that. We can move on. Okay. So, how long That's... have you been using Faith Fair as pronouns? I started using Faith Fair as pronouns uh, a little over just before I moved to Seattle. Okay. Um, I posted it on Facebook and asked people to start using them if they felt comfortable using them. And I was hoping, you know, that people that maybe weren't comfortable using them would kind of push themselves to kind of use them a little bit. Um, I think if you ask anybody who uses they, them pronouns along with like she, they people like partner number one, they'll tell you that they don't hear they nearly as often as they hear she. Um, So it was kind of my way of seeing that for myself. Um, but at the same time, I don't, I haven't taken on the identity of non-binary. I consider myself a binary-ish trans woman. Yeah, okay. that was going to be one of my questions. How has your self-perception of yourself changed then with, even though you're still more femme binary, but I'm also sensing there's been a slight change in that? Am I reading yeah. anything there correctly? Uh, not particularly. I'm still, I still consider myself femme. Um, I definitely would say I, I'm a uh, femme presenting the majority of the time. I mean, with COVID, who who does anything these days? But, but um, yeah, I just I don't know. It just I still feel I still feel binary. I still feel like I'm a woman, and there's not any waiver room in that, okay. which I think is odd to try to you know argue for the fair pronouns but at the same time is, is it anyone else's business why i use those pronouns you know i don't if think I can't, it is. if i can't express it in words 
yeah, if I can express it in words, people should just be able to take my word for it, you know? Yeah, yeah, I get it. So that brings us up then, you know, so we talked about parenting, we talked about pronouns, and I kind of want to bring back, you know, this idea of, you know, are you open to the idea of having more kids, either through adoption or maybe foster, maybe finding a way to have your own more naturally, so to speak? I'm definitely up for it. Um, but at the same time, I don't feel as compelled or as it's not as necessary as it once was in my life. Well, when you say, well, when you say it, I mean, is it having more kids or having your own? Having my own kids. Okay. Having my own kids. I don't think is as important of a thing to me anymore because I have the little one, but I'm up for it. And my current partner, number two, who is cis-ish, um, again, along the same lines as my bind my binary ish uh she she doesn't want to have any more kids herself she doesn't want to give birth herself again so if it was with her we would consider fostering has been something that we've discussed briefly um or adoption so with the like with the having kids do you feel that it was an urge towards just caring for another person or an urge towards just motherhood kind of in general what was the drive I think it was kind of the way I've always kind of perceived it in my mind is it's kind of a, it's along my, my teaching, the same reason I went into teaching. Like it's, I want to have that impact on somebody. I want to be an impactful figure in someone's life and be important to them. Do you feel that being a parent was one of the, like the better ways that you could do that? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Well, should we get into more of the tawdry topics that we covered last time, Nervy? I mean, I'm up. I'm now that we now that we've covered all the wholesome shit. As long as I still have battery, I'm good. <laughs> In more ways than one. Yeah, I was going to say that's getting back to my bad battery joke. Anyway, everything comes full circle. Everything comes full circle, but Natalie made it work. So. But we've we've talked a lot in episode 36, and you and I both listened to this this morning before we got started. I mean, I mean, HRT changes. I mean, you're now, what, four or five years in, and I'm 38, 39 I, months in? I will be five months, or five years in, in December. Yeah, yeah. yeah December, yeah, you started December it. 26. So I mean, you're out of puberty. Yeah. Congratulations. For now. For now, until I go back in, until I shift my 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 hormones again, which is in the future at some point. Yeah. But what do you mean by shift? What do you What do you look at the shift for? Um, I would like to go on to. I'm currently on estradiol for estrogen, and I would like to. I would like to go on to. um, Words are hard today. Um, Begins with the P. Progesterone. I'd like to go on progesterone, and. Uh, I don't know when. It's a matter of getting a doctor who's going to allow me to, uh, who understands trans issues a little better than the one I saw last here in Seattle. So, yeah, well, then that's that's interesting thing because I am on estradiol and I take mine. That's one of the changes. That last time we were, last time we met, I would just started estradiol through intermuscular, and that's actually one of the big changes I saw a lot when I went from oral medication to. Um, intermuscular shots, I saw a lot more feminization a lot faster. And I also started progesterone and I saw some very nice breast growth with that as well. So I'm using the two of them together. And even pre my surgery, 
I was removed from the testosterone blocker because I didn't need it anymore because of my levels had balanced out just between those that combination. Yeah, I'd like to I'd like to try something along those lines, and so then I'll be under the puberty influence again. But yeah, but I don't think now, I'm gonna... things have leveled off. Yeah, but I think you would still need some level of estradiol or estrogen. I don't think progesterone alone would be enough to support you. Possibly. Yeah, in pos- the research, yeah, pos- yeah, in the research that you've done, what like what makes you want to make that switch from taking the estro- like the estradiol to doing the progesterone? Because I know that cis women we produce both. Yeah, but it's at different uh, points of our cycles, right? Right, progesterone. I believe I'm not an expert because I haven't done a lot of research. But nor am I a medical professional other than for IT. Uh, but uh, progesterone is produced uh, f- when a woman's pregnant, I believe, or more of it's produced when a woman's pregnant. So that, that uh, brings up the breast growth more, which is what I'm looking for out of it. Which would be, yeah, which would make sense, which is why Amy said she saw more breast growth when right. she started taking it as well. Yeah. And that's, okay. the, that's the typical, the, what I've heard from most trans women that are on it. Well, and I think you hit on a point, though, because progesterone is important to pregnancy, but it's also an important part of the menstrual cycle as well. And one of the things that a lot of people don't realize is, you know, now that I've been on progesterone for coming up on two years with the combination of my shots, it's like I have all the all the hormones in me to produce a cycle. Now, I don't have a uterine wall, obviously, that's going to shed that. But I still have that cycle that I roll through every 28 or 30 days that emotionally brings me up and down. And it's been noted at work and at home that that cycle exists. And it's interesting because when my now 19-year-old was living at home during the pandemic, my now 12-year-old started their period because they're a person that has a period as well. It was an interesting two weeks in our house between the three of us. Yeah. I mean, there's just yeah. a lot of ups and downs, and we would get very short and very emotional with each other, especially me. And and I'm sure I'm in for that in just a few years once the uh, seven-year-old is well, closer to puberty. Yeah, and that's different for everybody, too, is I find mine tend to be very mild, and that I have other friends that are just like, I book three days off of work because I'm a bitch. I have noticed for myself, I tend to get kind of depressed just before. And then I have like a day where I'm just like, I don't want to work. I'm going to call in. Yeah. And I, so I do. And then I, I start to feel better the next couple of days. Um, I used to have occasional cramping, but that hasn't come lately. But I do get a headache usually. Yeah, headaches is a big one. Happened. I do get those. Yeah, I have and that, those a, I have are my a... only signs. Yeah. I have, a, I have a trans friend, she gets cramps every four weeks, like boom, boom, boom. And because she's on yep. progesterone too, and, and I I don't get the cramps. I just, I get a, I don't know, for me, it's a more, very emotional. See, and I always thought that the cramps was part of like the uterine wall getting ready to shed. So what, like, where are the cramps coming from then? If that's you're, not you're, where they're coming from. Your abdomen is still doing the motions of it. Okay. So your abdomen muscles are, are what makes the, the uterine walls shed. So your body is still like, I have to do this because this is what my body is supposed to do. Yeah. Your but body's like, prep the uterus. And you're like, there isn't one. Yeah. Not, not, <laughs> not part of the, not the initial not, install. That's right. Yeah, that's right. You and I, <laughs> me and I heard that from the same person. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was me. 
Oh, I thought it was like sex. I thought, I thought, no, I thought it was your other partner. That's gotta, that's gotta suck a little. Like, there's, there's a couple of things that I was like, oh man, trans women have got to be lucky you're not experiencing this. But you guys still get, you two still get the cramps. Sorry about that. You two still get the cramps, but you don't even have the rest of it. I like to say we don't get the red flag. Yeah, we don't. (laughs) It's funny though, because I was at the doctor's office one time and she was, and it was right after my surgery, and the nurses asked me, "Okay, so what's going on with your vagina?" And I'm trying to explain it to her, and then finally, it's like I realized she didn't realize I was trans. So I'm like, "Yeah, that was not part of the original install," and she kind of looked up. <laughs> I'm like, "Let me explain this to you, honey. Why my vagina is bleeding so much? Because it was just installed two weeks ago." <laughs> Well, you know, I talk I have here on our agenda, like, you know, changes and HRT and surgeries, you know, and so that's a big change from last time is like, I've had mm-hmm. two surgeries through the pandemics. And I'm not gonna go into much detail about them, but one for my face and one for my bottom. And they've, they've dramatically altered my life, especially the facial one. And I think just from a personal satisfaction point, the bottom one has done the same. So yeah. but you I haven't you're had any a, surgeries, though. None at all. None. Okay. And you, when we were talking earlier, you said you weren't really planning on getting any. Yeah. Um, I, I go back and forth depending on my mood, whether or not I want any surgeries. Sometimes I, before, before, probably just before the last time we recorded, I wanted to have top surgery and then I changed my mind. And now lately it's just kind of been, I'm trying to get settled, you know, get my life in order, uh, go back to school, which I haven't done yet, despite saying that in the last episode. Um, but partner number two is also a therapist. So I have a little more motivation now than I may have then. It's just a matter of feeling settled enough to start moving forward. Yeah. I understand those feels. Yeah. And so, I mean, so, but yeah, that's an extremely personal decision for each of us. And you've been on five years yeah. and you still haven't had any surgeries. I've been 38 months, 39 months, and I've had two, but that's, but well, like we said, been, it's, you don't know what is giving someone else anxiety about their own body. So if someone yeah. chooses to have the surgery, it's like, you're right. It's a personal choice. They want to do it. They do it. Yeah. And I yep. went to work at Starbucks just for their transgender healthcare coverage. Yeah, I didn't realize really they offered that. Huh. Yeah, yeah they good. they were one of the first companies to offer full, and I believe my company also offers it, or at least the insurance company that I go through. It's just a matter of again being in the place that I'm ready to investigate further. Yeah. So so with that, with the body, and we talked a lot about sex. Have you noticed any changes in the operations down below? I mean, are you still at that point of like? smaller erections, you know, that pre-cum stuff that you talked about before? Yeah, overall, it's all pretty much the same. Um, I mean, I've dabbled with different, you know, different uh, maneuvers and whatnot, but overall, I think still seem to be functioning about how they were back in that last episode. So when you guys, when you two were talking before, sorry, I used that word as like a non-gendered thing and I'm trying to stop myself. Uh, when you two were talking before, you said that you identified as asexual. Did you identify as asexual before transition as well? Or is I that something not. that you feel changed? It, it, I don't know if it changed or not. I think it was more a matter of me kind of coming to grips with it. 
I've never really, yeah, no, I definitely was always asexual. I just, it was a matter of figuring it out and finding the words for it. Even now I've still, there's been times since that episode where I've debated if I'm asexual. Um, I think in the end, the answer is yes. I think it comes down to that same thing I tell people about being trans. If you're asking the question, am I asexual? You probably are because you're clearly thinking about it and trying to figure out why. Yeah. Yeah, that's something I don't, I know I don't understand, but so I mean, I'm not that I'm always thinking about sex because I know it's changed since I've transitioned. Yeah, is Emily Maltz, I'm always thinking about it. Yeah, we've had those conversations. I definitely know. But I mean, but if you also, as we go through the pandemic and we talk about HRT, sex and everything else, but have you noticed your emotions changing and, you know, or, but then how do you separate our emotions changing from the pandemic and what's HRT induced or what's society induced? I got disconnected or oh, my connection a... was poor and I didn't hear any of what Amy just said. Oh, I was just asking about, you know, have your emotions changed as well? You know, anxiety, and you know, is that, you know, is that HRT related? Is that society related? Or has it gotten better for you in Seattle? How much is tied to the pandemic? And you've been through a lot in the pandemic. I mean, a lot of good changes because of your move. I think we're going to have some issues here with bandwidth. I can't hear you. Yeah, I'm cutting. You know what? Let's, let's, let's do this, V. Let's, um, let's pick up on this and try to when would you be available later in the week are either of you available tomorrow at all um i would be late my time like 10 o'clock p.m i can do that i have a couple errands to do but <laughs> i toyed with the idea of muting myself <laughs> oh my god so the best thing i hope you can hear this so, so i live in i live in the trailer uh <laughs> I live in the trailer, my sister's driveway, and there's these guys like building an awning outside. And I could hear them. And like, uh, because living in the trailer is illegal, usually when there's people out there like doing work. I'll Thank you for listening to another meandering episode of Transformation Thursday. The podcast is produced and edited by Amy Stevens and Natalie Walker. The general counsel of the Transformation Thursday podcast network is Francesca Rodriguez. And marketing assistance is provided by Kai Von Doom. Until we all assemble again from the land of 10,000 lakes, my name is Bill Satry, the big voice of Transformation Thursday. Good night, everyone.